Welcome to another episode of the NutriNed Podcast. This is Raisa, your host, and today we will be welcoming Bridie, a yoga teacher, Ayurvedic therapist, and entrepreneur, and she will be sharing with us everything you need to know about Ayurveda from beginning onto what tips you should incorporate into your lifestyle to bring a little bit more balance. Well, Bridie, thank you so, so much for joining me in this session. I'm really excited to getting to know a little bit more about Ayurveda and all the good stuff that you bring to the table. Thank you. Um, so we'll start with, uh, we'll jump right into it. And I'm really interested how you got into yoga and Ayurveda in particular. Like, um, was it something in your life or it's just kind of you came across all this amazing info and just started wanting to do more research on your own and exploring that path? Yeah, so... So yoga came first, I think I was around 13 years old and I was a really overweight kid and really struggled um, with my weight and I'd started my uh, periods quite young, I was only 10 when I started and so I think like my hormones are going crazy, my body was going nuts and my mum took me to yoga at the age of 13 to just kind of help ground me a bit and form a positive relationship with my body that was her aim and just to breathe and yeah I'm so lucky such an amazing mum you know for and I really went through it with the teenagers like physically with health and everything and so that's where it started and she she took me straight into an ashtanga yoga class and I mean I was so I'm five foot two uh (laughs) I I was, uh, what was uh, so I was about fifteen stone, um, so I was I was I was a round thing, and um, and I don't know if you've ever done Ashtanga yoga. It's pretty hard. No, I was going to ask you actually. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, and the class that I was in, it was like a move a breath. So it was like up, down, you know, and it's like oh my goodness. But I remember getting to the end of this hour's session. And then laying down in Shavasana at the end for a 20-minute meditation and just feeling so proud of myself and my body. And it was this first kind of connection of, yeah, I got this. Yeah, my body works. I like it. This is awesome. This is the best feeling ever. And it kind of, you know, that that was the opener really for, for it all. But just like with anything you know your journey goes off in other directions and then you come <laughs> yeah. back and it's never just a straight path is it but um yeah, yeah. that's true that, that's amazing that you actually had that exposure so early on and that you had the support and your family actually went and and like they they guided you there a lot of people just end up stumbling upon this journey because they don't know what else to do and and it's amazing that you started young and I completely relate with the feeling by the way um I've done a few yoga classes well not not a few I I go on and off and I kind of have a hard time sticking to it because it's just so challenging for me during the actual class yeah but the benefits of it and when you were describing it I was just smiling it because that's exactly how I feel it's so peaceful in the end and you just feel so proud and amazing and and relaxed and it's a feeling that you're almost not too exposed to so so it's amazing it's a completely different sense of satisfaction that I feel that nothing else can give you and it's got to come through you know, some some sweat and some movement first, yes. and some toughness <laughs> and some tears, and even for you, you got to work for it. <laughs> yeah, you've got to work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it it's good ment- mentally, physically, emotionally, the whole shebang. Um, to then all those levels can bliss out at the end as well. Not just a body bliss out or a mind bliss out or whatever. It's everything's connected. Yes. And it kind of, I can see how people get addicted to that. Um, <laughs> and I think in the last year or two, I would say possibly I have. 
um now it's become more of my life but yeah so lucky but it's funny what you say about you know people often go when they're at the end of their tether or not quite sure what else to do with their health or their well-being but it was my mum I think being at the end of the her tether with my health and so it was doctors not knowing what to do with me saying everything's fine you know and and she was like, I know, you know, mother's intuition and women's <laughs> intuition is not right. And so she took me to yoga, which did me the world of good. But it it then turned out that I had endometriosis and adamiosis. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, but my mum listened to me and championed my voice and all of that at such a young age, which that's, that's really is amazing. phenomenal. Yeah, so lucky. And so that was, you know, yoga then has always been my remedy for pain, for inflammation, for all of that, because it's kind of what I learned at a young age. Yeah, and it does, it does work. It's just a matter of, um, of, of making it a priority, right? I think our, our lifestyle, it just conditions us to really uh, focus on our to-dos as opposed to actually focusing on our health. Like our health should be the priority and, uh, and taking care of our bodies in that day. And then you get to do your to-dos, but it's a exactly. non-negotiable, right? It's like, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Have you seen that triangle? Where... Um, no. Oh, so at the bottom, it's like food and then it works up to shelter and then it goes to all these different levels. And at the top, it's kind of like self-actualization. Mm-hmm. But actually, I feel, yes, food, shelter, etc., and kind of works in the middle of this hierarchy. Yeah, uh-huh. But actually, in our today's society, we've flipped it round. So <laughs> we, we never, you know, work is the bottom. It's the most important thing. If you haven't got time for lunch, it doesn't matter because you've got to smash those goals. You've got to crash through that glass ceiling. You've got to climb that career ladder. doesn't matter if you, you know, you're not at home to be in your beautiful house that you've worked hard for. So long yes. as you're the first person in the <laughs> office, you know, so oh, like, it's just, it's just messed up this whole natural order of things for you to feel safe and secure um yeah I agree completely and then I think that at at least this was my personal journey also um you you work so hard and you start ignoring so much your body that you only notice when you actually have really strong symptoms right it's like your body's saying hey you're gonna listen to me now (laughs) exactly it's like screaming out at you but actually that little bit of dry skin on your hand or that change in the color of your tongue you know six months previous was the beginning of your body you know speaking to you it has an amazing way of communicating um and I think it's it's flipping it round yeah so has your hair suddenly changed has your nails suddenly changed has your toilet habit suddenly changed and just look at them rather than as annoyances or oh it's another product I've got to go and buy to rectify it just think of it as your body's talking to you and then sit down and tune in to listen what it's you know to what it's trying to tell you and it's it's just flipping it flipping it round um, and I found that that, you know, it has been one of the most amazing shifts to help look after myself. Yeah, perfect. That, that's yeah. beautiful. And it's actually like the perfect, I feel, a transition that we can dive into um, Ayurveda, which is uh, yeah. a topic that we both are very passionate about <laughs> from the looks of it. Yeah. Um, so how did you get exposed uh, with Ayurveda? Like, how did your journey start with Ayurveda? Yeah, so it was probably about five years ago now, and I was at work climbing the career ladder. <laughs> Don't we all have to do that? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm actually even put my hands out in front of me to climb a ladder. As oh, God. And, um, and I was getting promotion and promotion, but I was also getting burnout after burnout, and they were just exacerbating my endometriosis and adamiosis symptoms to a point where I'd be passing out at work in the bathroom from pain but then I would bring myself around get a coffee and go back to my desk which is nuts um like like suck it up attitude right just you gotta put up with it so you can get further (laughs) yeah 
And I worked in a charity sector, and so I don't know what the charity sector's like in the US, but in England it's, or, or maybe not in England, maybe it's unfair, but in the one I was in, it was where well, you work for a charity, so you give 150%, you know, so you don't stop, you just yeah. keep going, you've got to give more. Um, and there was a lot of burnout going on around me as well, so you kind of got desensitized to it. Yeah, I, and, I completely uh, understand that feeling, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's becomes normal, doesn't it? Which yeah. is just craziness. Um, and so I was really struggling with my health, and doctors were just, uh, there was not much that they could do. I'd had about, I think I was five operations in at that point for oh, wow. my endometriosis, yeah, so... When I got first diagnosed, it was diagnosed at stage four, which is like the highest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then it just keeps growing and stuff. Um, and so they, the the surgeons had said, you have a year to have a baby. I was single. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, you have a year to have a baby, or the next thing we're going to do is give you a full hysterectomy. Uh, and I was just like, oh. Oh no, this is this is big, and uh, and it's freaked me out big time. You know, it's a lot to take on. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like going crazy on like dating sites, <laughs> like <laughs> like, <laughs> like let's make this happen. <laughs> like, oh, he, he hasn't got receding hairline, or he's six foot, <laughs> yet he's got good genes. Let's see. <laughs> Which, you know, is horrific. And so um, no wonder a relationship didn't happen during that time. Completely the wrong energy to be putting out into the universe. Um, And then I found Ayurveda and had a relationship with that instead. So I like to think of Ayurveda as my husband. (laughs) Oh, that's okay, right? Like no pressure. It's very uh, nourishing and supportive. (laughs) All I've ever wanted. So I went to see an Arabic doctor locally and I didn't know really anything about it but all I knew is that yoga had worked for me and that Ayurveda was the science of yoga in a way mm-hmm. yeah. medical side so I was like okay you know my body already aligns to this way of life so let's just tread this path a little bit further and um, he talked to me all about these different systems in my body and gave them these beautiful Sanskrit names and talked to me about excess elements in the body and what that was doing and how those elements can come into, well, how they came into my life through different means. And that's why I've got too much of them, which was leading to all of the symptoms and everything that I was facing. And it was just like why have I never been taught this before? Because I could have, you know, I didn't have to fill up this. For me, it was a kapha aggravation and a bit of pitta. So, you know, if I had known that this lifestyle, this climate, this commute, these people, these emotions, this food, you know, all of these types of things were just filling up my kapha and pitta tank for want of a better phrase, and making me this way, I never, you know, I could have made better choices. Um, yeah. And so it was just a process then of, you know, changing my choice process. It wasn't easy. It's still a work in progress. <laughs> we always are still working on <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, was, that was my first kind of introduction to... Ayurveda and then it just became a love affair ever since that moment <laughs> in time and yeah so yeah. you guys are in love <laughs> yeah we argue sometimes but <laughs> it's a healthy relationship then yeah, it's a good balance <laughs> um so let's let's learn a little bit more about Ayurveda because I know that uh, a lot of the listeners probably have not been uh, directly exposed to it and might not be that familiar with uh, what a dosha is and the five elements and all that good stuff do you think you can break it up in a very easy to understand and digest way what the three doshas the five elements and 
like what that's all about. So I shall give it my best shot. <laughs> so there are three dosh- doshas there. And what your dosha is, is a representation of you as a person. Um, and so there is vata, pitta and kapha. And vata is made up of the elements of space and air or ether and air. And then pitta is made up of the elements of fire and just a little bit of water, but predominantly fire. And then kapha is made up of earth and water. Um, And then that can then be applied across literally everything in life outside of your body and also within your body and the processes in your brain. So it's like you have these new dosha lenses to apply to everything to work out if you're giving yourself what you need and how to rebalance yourself. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty eye-opening stuff. Um, so yeah. from from the little bit of of research that I did, so it's 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 very different. It's not like you're just one dosha. Usually you have the three and you have one or two that are predominant on you kind of thing, right? Um, so <laughs> it, it's not as simple as I wish it was sometimes. So it's like almost your tip of the iceberg. Uh-huh, yeah. So you have your constitution, which is your very best version of you. So when I'm with a client that's what I like to work out first so we work out your dosha across all areas of your life internally and externally that represents the very best version of you and then we work out where you currently are now so there's your current state dosha which may be serving you well may not be serving you well and then there's your best version dosha and then what we do in Ayurveda is work out how to get your current state one back in line or as close to as balanced to your best version of you dosha does okay. that make does that yeah. make sense yeah um, it does um so is there oops sorry one second okay. <laughs> um is there uh like how how would you know which one you are and like what are some traits i guess that um that each one has like like can you dive into a little bit more of that like how do how would I know which one which one am I and how it's in balance out of balance and that stuff so I would say the the true way to really delve into it is a good hour to two hours conversation with an Ayurvedic practitioner to really delve into it and, and get in tune with it um but in a, in a kind of a nutshell, so Vata is very quick, it's very light on its feet, it's moving quickly, so maybe you're somebody who struggles to sit still, maybe always fiddling, um, okay. it tends to be drier, so maybe Vatas tend to have drier skin, drier hair, maybe more wiry hair, quite prone to gr- going grey earlier. Okay. Um, yeah, and then it can go through your systems as well. So batters will have quite quick but steady digestive systems, quick and racing thoughts. Um, and one of the, I had an Ayurvedic teacher who <laughs> described them as different dogs. So if you think as a batter, as a cocker spaniel, oh, so it's okay. literally running around everywhere. It doesn't stop. <laughs> Constantly, like, just going everywhere. Um, and I've always found that's quite a good way for people who are new to Ayurveda to um, get a bit of a grasp on Vata. Okay, yeah. so they're like Cocker Spaniels then. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, this is very like top line stereotypical stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and then there is Pitta. So Pitta's tend to be a bit more prone to, so if they're going to be emotionally unbalanced, they're a bit more prone to feeling angry or being very quick to rise to anger um, or aggression. If they're aggravated or feeling poorly, it tends to show up in their skin first. So with a Pitta, they're more prone to psoriasis, eczema, urticaria. Those are all Pitta aggravations. 
um, like inflammation and things like that. Yeah, and it's the hormone okay. system as well is mm-hmm. pitta. So anything hormonal um, imbalanced in the system tends to start with a pitta aggravation. So endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, fibroids, they tend to, not always, but they tend to start with a pitta aggravation in an individual. Okay, um, their skin is slightly uh, warmer. So going back to vatas, vatas tend to be quite pale skin and will burn quite quickly. Vata, okay. um, uh, sorry, pitas less so. Um, probably quite olive in complexion, possibly if they have pitta skin, um, and they are kind of like the life and soul, full of energy very confident, very chatty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure we can all think of pitters. They're yeah. often <laughs> because they're just like, right, we're just going to crack on, we're going to get up, we're going to get it done, stop faffing around and just charge on through. Um, Go straight to business, basically. <laughs> yeah, straight, yeah, and no faffing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but what they will do is tend to hold it all inside and then end up getting things like heartburn, IBS, um, hormonal imbalances, angry inside. So they don't necessarily let the anger out. It can boil up inside uh-huh. for long periods okay. of time and come out in other systems in the body. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of, that's a bit of a pitta in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have kapha. So kapha is obviously the elements of water, and earth together and if you think of just you know when you're a kid and you would mix them together maybe make mud pies uh-huh, like, the muddy mud, uh-huh. yeah that is kaffa so kaffa is very much about moisture and solidness within the body um, they tend to be quite earthy quite grounded they're more prone to holding weight and if they put on weight it tends to be evenly distributed around the body they tend to have thicker, more lustrous hair. Um, Something quite about wind. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, they they struggle to, so they won't tend not to burn. They have a bit tougher skin. Um, and a kapha, if a kapha is aggravated emotionally, they tend to go more um, leaning towards the side of depression. Whereas a pitta will go to, and a vata will tend to go more to anxiety. Um, but a kapha will, it's the, you know, have you got a friend that you haven't seen or heard of for a week? You know, they tend to just like lock themselves away, don't answer the phone. They just need to hibernate until whatever it is that's upsetting them has passed. And then they'll just slowly come back out and bring themselves back out into the world. So it's very slow and methodical but can be quite hibernate at the same time. So um, from those, because it's funny, because when you you mention the three of them, it's like I, I can see a little bit of me in each of them. And um, also even the when the out of balance, right? Um, I, a little while back, I was struggling with anxiety and depression and like, like both feelings, like what the out of balance, I actually identified a little bit um, with each one. So it, so this was very fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I felt like that. <laughs> and that's the thing. And so with Ayurveda and as a practitioner, it's all about asking your client in front of you to really tune into what because only they know what feels best and so for example like what you were saying then you know when you're out of balance um, and how that manifests and looks better than anybody else and so it's allowing the individual to really sit down and literally take note journaling's great for your Ayurvedic journey so that you can compare what's going on to what triggers you to actually know this makes me feel good. Okay, so I need some more of that in my life and just really going on that journey with it. So you would say without a doubt then the 
the first step is not trying to like I'm getting this diagnosed right because it's just a term but not that you're diagnosing anything um, but you shouldn't be self-diagnosing with with online quizzes right I step number one do not touch an online <laughs> doshi oh, okay. quiz please because yeah I've definitely taken those I confess <laughs> we've all been don't worry okay um, you, think, you think it's like a personality um quiz kind of thing you know I'm like okay I'm this that this is what I'm supposed I to be do. doing yeah exactly so I would say that's a bit like <coughs> symptoms and then living your life by the that result um I would say that if you are wanting to use Ayurveda for your healing journey, that the first thing to do would be to buy a journal that is dedicated to your health and well-being and just start taking notes of how you're feeling. So maybe make two columns. So down the left side, how you're feeling. So physically, emotionally, what's going on in your life and how that's making you feel. So you're almost your symptoms down one side and then on the other column, what's going on? So what food did you eat? What time of bed did you go to? When did you wake up? What were your dreams like? Who did you speak to that day? Who emailed you? How long was your commute? The whole shenanigans so that you can start to look for those patterns. And then you can take that to your Ayurvedic practitioner and they'll be able to work with you to look at what dosha imbalances are going on so what you've got too much of and then okay. they'll be able to prescribe you ways to just cool it down balance it back out or maybe even get your fire going again um, in case of the um kapha right yeah so kapha uh-huh. sometimes needs a bit more pitta <laughs> you know we all need a little bit of everything in our yeah uh-huh. and too much of anything can uh can be too much uh so but th- so, for example, I'm kapha pitta. Too much kapha, I know how that manifests. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm vata aggravated, and I've never been vata aggravated before. But it's quite interesting to see how that's going on in my body. And I know that I need to get some pitta back to just rebalance that out. Um, yeah. So it's oh. it. Yeah, it gives you this this whole new way of looking at life but it's even down to your circle of friends or the people that you spend the most time with even work colleagues or people on your commute or uh, they can be aggravating you as well that then it will physically manifest within your body yeah yeah that's um definitely something that i think a lot of us do relate with right and relate to um so now that we talked a little bit about the doshas and do you think you can just like you brilliantly broke down uh the the traits and and what each one kind of represent is there a certain um lifestyle or nutrition wise speaking because this is the since i wanted to focus a little bit on the on the food component i did some research on the different types of doshas but i would actually love to hear um like your thoughts on on lifestyle and nutrition when it comes to Ayurveda? Yeah, so it it depends, obviously, on everything else. <laughs> yeah. I know it's very like personalized, so it's not really yeah. like a, a, like one size fits all. But in general, is there something that? So the main thing is is that once you've worked out your your dosha or doshas, so you can be try, you can be you know, anything, any combination. Um, so for kaffa, it would be avoiding uh, sweet foods because that is going to add too much kaffa into their body. So sweet and salty foods are kind of, depending on your level of kaffa, for a lot of people, uh, that's kind of just a big, quite often our Vedic doctors will just take that food group out for six months to get you back in balance. Um, and for a kaffir as well, is it's only eating when they're hungry. Kaffirs in Ayurvedic nutrition, nine times out of ten, are the ones who are allowed to skip breakfast. Breakfast is very important in Ayurveda, but only if a kaffir has too much kaffir, they then that's the meal that can be taken out. Okay. 
Yeah, and then the foods that will help balance a kaffa, so bring them back into balance, are kind of pungent, bitter and astringent foods. So probably all the foods a kaffa doesn't want to eat. (laughs) (laughs) You tend to, on your dosha, crave the foods that are going to raise your dosha. So kaffas love sweet and salty, pitters love spicy food vatas love dry food crackers crisps crisps mm-hmm. okay and so actually those are the foods that you need to kind of just push to the side a little bit and balance yourself back out yeah especially if you are feeling those um like symptoms for lack of a better word of being out of balance right so if you're feeling for example with a depression then you should be aiming to avoid the um, sugary and salty foods, things yeah, like that, right? and then actually mm-hmm. pungent and astringent foods are going to just lift you and give you that boost and mm-hmm. make you feel lighter and help lift you up out of that kind of heavy funk that you're finding yourself in. Um, with pitta, obviously we already mentioned the spicy foods that pitta's mm-hmm. love to eat and crave. I had an Ayurvedic <laughs> teacher in uh, India who was pitta through and through and she would sit there in class <laughs> eating half a grapefruit and then chewing on a chili oh no no <laughs> like oh Barbara, like, you're just uh, teaching us so much right here right now about everything <laughs> um, I know exactly and then we'd have to be like feeding her rice in the evening to like calm her down and cool her down um so that is the main thing for pitters and also pitters really need some heavier slower foods to come into their system so a little bit of dairy not too much and that that can be plant-based dairy um and more cooling foods to cool that fire within their gut and their system um so kind of a bit of bitter astringent uh Yes. So, <laughs> so with Ayurveda salad, uh, yes, uh, but only to be eaten in the middle of the day because that is, if you eat it too late at night, it's going to wake your gut up, which will then wake your brain up, which means you're probably going to have funny dreams or um, not very nice deep sleep. Okay. Salad in the middle of the day with Ayurveda. And just on their own. So no cooked food added to the salad. So just the rawness then. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's fine for the pitta. Um, and for vata, like we mentioned, avoiding the dry foods, of which they so love often. <laughs> I have many vata friends who after yoga, who are just straight pulling out these all these rice crackers. And I'm like, guys. Oh, God, that's so dry. <laughs> no, God, at least dip it in something. But yeah. Like, <laughs> passing the hummus around or the guac or something but um they just crave it and love it so um for vatas it's three regular meals a day they definitely need breakfast just to help slow and soothe them down um so porridge is amazing porridge is the answer to almost everything in our (laughs) porridge and sesame oil um so porridge for breakfast uh just a teeny bit of honey or just straight up on its own oats and plant-based milk is just enough on its own try not to mix it with fruit because again that's going to aggravate your gut keep your raw foods separate um and then the three regular meals and they can have the sweet stuff and the sour stuff and the salty stuff it's quite often quite it's hard for vatas to want to eat these foods um so it's you quite often find that it's putting peanut butter on crackers or on crisps mm-hmm. and then eating it with an apple but food combination is another thing within ayurveda so if you just think of food like the components of a science kit so it's all chemicals and compounds that the combinations of different ones together are going to have different effects within your bodies. One on your gut. We all know that mixing raw food with cooked is going to aggravate your gut because one is going to digest quicker than the other. So leading to gas or bloating, but also it will affect the elements within your body depending on your dosha. Mm-hmm. Definitely interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? And when you... 
when you're told, oh, just think about it, like the science, you're just like, oh, okay, so my kitchen actually isn't just any old food just to grab and eat and go. It's a science lab. Mm-hmm. What can I do <laughs> to make me have the best compound for me to be able to do whatever it is I need to do at the best level that I possibly can, um, which was quite a nice shift in my way of thinking. And I know that helps my clients with their relationship with food quite a bit. That that's actually um, such a different way to to think of the food combinations. Actually, as a nutritionist, we end up always suggesting half of the plate um, should be uh, vegetables, right? And a lot of times, those are actually raw veggies because you'll put like your raw spinach, your um, other not. It's not always going to be cooked, right? So, in terms of Ayurveda that's actually something you should not be doing and just separating your your cooked from the raw. And that's something that I've actually never really thought about. Yeah, it really, with Ayurveda, it really helps, particularly with people with IBS or mm-hmm. anything gut issues going on or anything surrounding the gut. So obviously if your gut's inflamed and aggravated, it's going to be pushing on everything else that's around it. So anything gynecological if we can calm the gut down, that's going to take the pressure off from pushing on those organs around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so food combinations are quite a, obviously it takes time for it to settle into your body, but within about seven days, you should be able to really feel those effects of it calming down your system and then your systems around it, um, which is that- quite an amazing journey to go on. It is, and that's really, if you think about it, a lot of people that are experiencing these symptoms this is happening to them on a daily basis and it's been going on for years at times and seven days to see results is actually something completely worth exploring because a lot of people don't see any um they don't get better on their own and, and they might be even on medicine that's just causing other symptoms so this is actually an amazing way to think about how they can naturally heal themselves or and start to feel better. Definitely. And it's I quite often, I think, when people start thinking about nutrition, it's straight into either gaining muscle or losing weight. Mm-hmm. But actually, it can alleviate your inflammation, reduce so your headaches, yeah. clear your brain fog. You know, like the list is almost endless. So it's <laughs> like going into agree. Those, Yeah. <laughs> Amen. It's like yeah. going into those seven days, but with a different expectation like thinking of nutrition as you know back to that your kitchen is now your your laboratory yeah and and your medicine it can be everything your medicine cabinet your lab your (laughs) and my results in seven days that I'm looking for is a reduce in my migraines and that's and you're just doing some science experiments for the next seven days and looking after yourself rather than I need to buy this protein powder or this weight loss shake and I'm going to weigh myself in seven days and that's it it's just moving away from that bubble Um, I I have to say that that's actually still I get so many um people that come up to me like they have so many things going on other than than weight but their main focus they only care about the number on the scale right and it's just it sometimes it takes a lot because you of me because I'm like screaming in my head no 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 like there's so many things and so many benefits that you can get and um, let's move away from the calories. Let's focus on the quality and, and the effects that that food will bring to your body. Like you can, you don't have to be taking meds for that migraine. Like you mentioned, you can do it all through food and kind of figure out what's happening in your body. You know, like the, the alternative way of, of healing from within, as opposed to just, um, doing more damage and then just patching it with the band-aid method right which is just like yeah. popping a pill and and getting the symptom out of the way but then just getting worse and worse exactly and it and in a way going back to the the beginning it's the journal if you have the journal and you're starting to value and measure other things other than mm-hmm. what's on the scale the yeah that's perfect you're going to be like oh hang on last week I had three migraines and this week I've had one and a half well that's flipping amazing <laughs> and <laughs> you know and you're then able to see because quite often you just you're so used to being with chronic pain fatigue mm-hmm. yeah that it becomes your norm that 
actually, I think sometimes it's easier to stand on the scales and see a difference in numbers, but have that self-reflection of actually this week my hips hurt less or my hair is shinier or I could hold a conversation for 30 minutes this week. It was only <laughs> 10 minutes last week. You know, all of these things then you're able to give value to rather than just desensitizing to them. I love so, the journal approach. Yeah. Journal, journal, journal. <laughs> <laughs> because it's true. I think uh, we're not trained um, to to see those, to pay attention to that. We're only trained to see how we look in the mirror and how we fit into our genes and the number on the scale as opposed to exactly what you're saying. Like, I have been holding a conversation for 30 minutes and I wasn't able to do that, you know, and all these amazing other things that affect, honestly, our lives more than a number on the scale because the number on the scale is just, is just that and, and doesn't have that much significance for our bodies. And, all, and, all our lives, it doesn't make yeah. your life any richer. But all yes. these other things do. And I am 100%. I, I I just love everything you said. So, oh, oh, <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> um, the now that we talked a little bit about um, lifestyle and nutrition, and I feel people have been exposed to Ayurveda. They just didn't really know that it was Ayurveda. So it's a, a lot of little beauty trends have been going around, like um, dry brushing, oil pulling, things like that. Um, how do you feel about those? Uh, is this something you <laughs> you incorporate in your day to day? Do you have any tips on on how to do it? And for for those that haven't heard of oil pulling, um, if you can break that down also a little bit, that would be great. Yeah. So it's an experience. <laughs> so, so again, it depends on your dosha and what you're trying to balance out. So if you are a vata, so let's say with dry body brushing. I would say for a batter once a week only. It's going to be too much on your skin, particularly if you're quite prone to having dry skin. A pitta every other day and a kapha every day. Okay. So it, it depends on your dosha. Um, with They call it in Ayurveda self-abhyanga, which is self-daily massage. Mm -hmm. And again, there's different oils for different doshas, but sesame oil for those of you who don't have no allergies, I will find an alternative and ping it, and you can it below. Um, it, so sesame oil for self-abayanga, vatas, with, mm -hmm. due to the dry skin, it's every day. So every morning when you wake up, have a daily massage. And it's just, it can be 15 minutes of just sitting and, you know, just massaging up through your body, starting at your toes, working up, ends of your fingertips and just allow that oil to soak into your skin and you can walk around for half an hour 40 minutes and you can shower it off um and but so for vatas every day self-massage pitas every other and kapha once a week they already have all this moisture in their system okay. their skin is naturally quite self-moistured vata skin uh, sorry kapha skin if they didn't moisture for three or four days like they wouldn't know or, you know, it wouldn't make it. So okay. it's, it's, not as, it's not as regular. Um, so that would be the routine and the difference in days for Vata Pitta Kapha. I have got some little um, Ayurveda kind of DIY home routines, printouts oh, that, awesome. routine that you can kind of schedule in depending on your dosha. And then oil pulling. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's learn about that. <laughs> so it depends so okay so you, oil pulling you can do for your teeth and the health of your mouth and you can do it with coconut oil um it is phenomenal for the health and hygiene of your gums your teeth your breath everything it depends on whether you can stomach it or not <laughs> Basically, depending, uh -huh. if you're already in a hot country, your coconut oil is melted. Here in England, we have to heat it up on a pan. Um, Miami is always melted. <laughs> um, so, and it's just taking a little bit, swilling it around your mouth for as long as you can possibly, just like you would a mouthwash. 
um, and then spitting it out and rinsing it using a charcoal based anything that's not a fluoride or mint toothpaste and then brushing after. Um, if you wish every day, it can be done twice a week, same-ish effects, you're still getting it into your body. Um, but there is also something else that people like to do, uh, and again, following the same rhythm with the vatas every day, pittas every other, kapha once a week, is in India with your morning routine with Ayurveda and your self-care, um, this one hasn't hit Instagram yet. <laughs> so what you would do is you would take either ghee or coconut um, and they would warm it and they would place it around all of the holes in your body. Okay. And I'm just going to leave that there and you can, and I mean all. <laughs> For obvious reasons, it's not an Instagram trend. <laughs> basically it's to get that moisture into your system oil is everything in Ayurveda it's phenomenal it's qualities and I think in the west we've been scared of it because it's fatty or it's greasy or you know but actually oil removes oil in your makeup routine it's you know it's it's amazing so using the oil on the holes in your body vata every day pitta every other kapha once a week and that in itself for your joints and your body has a brilliant effect so if you're uh, sort of on the autoimmune kind of fibromyalgia um and oh what's it called arthritis after uh -huh. stuff that's a really good one to add into your morning routine no, that, that one I actually had never heard of it's it's <laughs> which is <laughs> Tag trend for it. So, okay. So if, if you were to incorporate, um, the main, the main, um, beauty routines, right. It, that would include a, the dry brushing, the oil pulling, the massage, like that's something that, that like, would you say that those are the three main ones and, uh, or there are other things that that you can share with us. Oiling of the holes of the body, mm -hmm. um, and starting the day with a glass of warm water and lemon, and okay. not drinking anything else before. That is the first thing you nourish your body with in the morning. And then, how long would you wait before having breakfast? Let's say, I would say half an hour personally just so that it can release and you can be using that half an hour to be you know doing your self abayanga mm -hmm. your body brushing getting ready for the day I would advise starting the morning in silence it's a beautiful and conscious way to slowly wake yourself up particularly if you're a vata or a pitta and you wake up and you're literally like right bam I'm off I'm gone <laughs> Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice way to just kind of just earth yourself and slow yourself for a bit and let your systems wake up in your body. Um and yeah, those would be the ones that I, I would advise and do. And then have your porridge. Um if possible, wake up early and do some yoga and meditation. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it will phenomenally change your day your body, your life, your emotional state, even just half an hour. So 15 minutes light yoga and stretch, 15 minutes mm -hmm. meditation. I, I think something that helped me on the, on the yoga topic, um, I would associate always whenever I would think of yoga, it's like the one hour and a half class basically. Um, when in reality, meditation doesn't have to be you... Um, meditating for 20 minutes in silence, it can be five minutes of just focusing on your deep, like breathing and quieting, you know, focusing more on within. And yoga doesn't have to be those difficult poses. And it can just be about um, movement and stretching, like you mentioned, right? Exactly. So I now teach somatic yoga, which is quite different to the other types that you'll traditionally see in yoga studios. And it a lot of it is sitting, breathing, slow but strong movements. So it's all about learning how your systems are interconnected through slow, conscious breaths. 
Um, and so from a distance, it can it can look a bit like, oh, they're not really doing much. But actually, you're really working everything much slower and stronger. Um, and it, so it doesn't, it's, you know, everyone thinks of yoga, thinks headstand, yeah. hours, hot yoga. Touching toes, which I can crazy, do, by crazy. the way. Yeah, and I think it scares people away, but actually you can, you can be sat at your desk and do it. You can be in bed and do it. You can be in the bath and do it. It's, um, it's anywhere and for anyone. And at the end of the day, it's about honoring your body, right? It's not um like you said about getting that pose like striking the pose it's it's really about it's it's (laughs) it's it's just honoring your body and i like that's how i like to think of nutrition and wellness in general exactly you're just making this new beautiful relationship with it Um, oh this this was so beautiful i can't really thank you enough brady for uh sharing your ayurvedic expertise (laughs) oh you're very welcome Um, and and I know that um, perhaps the majority of the listeners will be in the U.S. But if someone does want uh, to work with you, how would how would is the, can they book sessions with you online? Um, how how would that happen? A lot of my I think a lot of my clients are um, all over the world. So we work through Skype and online programs. So long as you can buy a journal, we can work together anywhere <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, so it's all online on the website, bridieapple.com. And you can book in there or just send me a message with any questions. Everybody goes on a different journey and needs different amounts of contact. So there's just an initial consultation and then we just go from there, really. Um, so yeah, they they can work with me in whatever time zone they are in. Oh, that's amazing, and that's um, I'm definitely going to be uh, taking advantage of all that we learned in this episode and trying to incorporate the the routine in the morning. I think that that is fundamental. I actually used to wake up a lot with anxiety, um, and I, I feel that the, that those routines would really help uh, center me and calm a bit the mind. So yeah. thank you so much for, for oh, sharing you're that. Very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> I will not uh, mention in the podcast whether I'm going to try the oil. <laughs> <laughs> I will leave that to everyone's imagination. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely exploring the incorporating the beauty routines and being mindful about the foods and um, spotting right the if there is a certain. Um, predominance of a specific dosha and the types of foods and lifestyle that you should be incorporating to try to calm it down and bring it back to balance yeah definitely and just it's all about power to you really thank you so much for joining me in another episode of the nutrient podcast as always, I welcome you guys to send over any questions or comments that you might have at risa at See you in the next episode.